Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. It's our continuing series on profitable niches, and today we've got a great one, a completely different way to use real estate, and that is agricultural investing. Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Stop for a moment. Why are you listening to this show? Are you dreaming of a bigger, brighter financial future? More personal freedom to live life on your own terms? What if there was just one skill that could make it happen? There is. Sales. Robert Kiyosaki says every entrepreneur must be good at sales. It's true for investors too. Sales is how you attract money, people, and opportunities. Sales is the skill used to negotiate deals and lead your team. Sales skills are essential to success. The good news is, it's a learnable skill. The great news is, we've created a two-day interactive workshop to teach those skills to you. Make plans today to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People, Mastering the Art of Financial Selling. For dates and details, send an email to sales at realestateguysradio.com or visit realestateguysradio.com and look under events. Gain the skills you need to succeed. Email sales at realestateguysradio.com or look under the events tab at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist and co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. There are so many ways to invest in real estate. And of course, during this series of many, many, many shows, we've been talking about different profitable niches. And really, this isn't designed to convince anybody to do anything, but rather to expose you to the large variety of ways that you can invest in real estate. There's no magic formula. There's no one asset class within real estate. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about a super cool one, one we've talked about in bits and pieces before and actually spent a lot of time on this year's Investor Summit, and that is agriculture. Yeah, this is such a great niche. And I think even before we get into the uh, the weeds, if you will, Good pun. <laughs> of, the, of agriculture, I just think that one of the things that if we haven't learned anything from this whole series, it's just that there is no such thing as real estate as an asset class. That's just such a ridiculous notion. And, you know, we're at a point in the economic cycle where people are talking about real estate being in a bubble. And that's just a crazy notion. You know, certainly there are markets that are really stretched in res with respect to their uh, price to incomes, but there's other markets that are super affordable and the price disparity all over the place. And that's just within the realm of single family homes. Now we're talking about all kinds of other niches. And this one is fascinating because we really think about what wealth is, what wealth has always been. It has always been the, the land barons, the people in the feudal system that owned the means of production and in an agricultural society, that was the land, the farmland. You had the people that worked it and they got to keep like 75% of their produce. They sent 25% to the king who owned all the land. And that was that was where the wealth was, was in the land ownership. Of course, today we don't have a feudal system, although some people might argue that. But the thing is, in spite of technology, in spite of all the changes in society, in spite of all the things going on in the world, at the end of the day, people need to eat and food needs to grow and agriculture has a role to play. And if for the foreseeable future agriculture is going to be a part of the real estate landscape. You know, we go to a lot of different investment conferences for this same very reason, trying to get our minds around different types of investments. And a few years back, we went to a big investment conference on agriculture, and it's like a whole new language. And the people there think of real estate differently and everything about it in terms of how you buy property and what you test for and how you know if it's appropriate and all of that. It's just a, a little more learning curve. But the unique part about it is that your tenants, if you will, 
are trees or shrubs or whatever they are, bushes of some kind. And they don't call you in the middle of the night. They don't skip out on the rent. It's a very different economic model. It certainly takes some science, some intellectual property, some understanding, and like everything else in real estate, a great team. Well, I mean, if you think about it, when you own, say, uh, a multifamily property, it, you've got a HVAC system, you've got a plumbing system, you've got an electrical system, you've got landscaping systems, you have security systems, power meters, parking lots. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that property where you have to have people who know how to take care and maintain and repair and install all of those things. When you think about farmland, in a lot of ways, farmland is actually simpler. But it is different because you're still going to have your irrigation systems. You're going to have to have all your planting and harvesting and all the things that are going on. And I'm clearly not a farmer. But like anything, it's just a matter of just understanding what those basic components are and surrounding yourself with a, a team of people who are experts in each of those areas and knowing how to put all those pieces together. And that's, of course, if you're going to be the person actually operating it. Uh, and, you know, of course, as an investor, you don't always have to be the person that's actually operating it. Most of us don't build the apartment buildings that we own. Most of us don't manage the apartment buildings that we own. And most of us don't repair or maintain the apartment buildings that we own. We have people who do all that for us. Our job is just to see the big picture and make sure that that part of it makes sense. Well, that's such a good point because you do have to separate in your mind between what is the real estate investment opportunity and the business opportunity. It's not unlike residential assisted living, one of the early niches we covered in this series. There are some folks who want to run an assisted living care home, and that's very different than the person who just wants to own the house and collect sizable rent checks. And so part of agriculture is understanding who does what, why it makes sense, and then you've got a whole bunch of issues to decide when it comes to the product. One of the interesting things about agriculture is it's not as market-driven, meaning you don't necessarily grow something in the same geographic area as the product is consumed. Our friend Simon Black is on his way to becoming one of the world's largest providers of blueberries. There's a huge, big install of blueberries, and he's had to figure that part out. One of the things he talked about on the summit was just how important it is to understand the soils engineering and the, you know, the irrigation and all that, but also putting together a team that really understands it and is the business side. And there's opportunities on both. But I think for most investors, you're going to have your mind opened up to this idea that, hey, I can come alongside and be an agricultural investor without having to put on the overalls and start planting seeds. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think any investor you know, would like to have it be that way. Most of us don't get into the business of real estate investing because we're in love, as you always say, Robert, with the look, smell, and feel of dirt. We don't want to get intimately involved in the lives of our tenants. It has nothing to do with that. We're interested in the financial performance. And, you know, you talked earlier about market. I, don't, I think that's a point that we, we definitely don't want to lose because, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, in our newsletter and, and when we talk about due diligence and you're looking at a marketplace that you're actually going to invest in, you've got to spend some time getting to know that economy. You have to know that there's going to be customers that are going to want to pay to occupy your property. Of course, when you're investing in agriculture, it's less important that you get the, the geography right from a local economy perspective. You've got to get the geography right from an environmental perspective, from the soil, from the water, from the distribution channels, the logistics of getting crop to table. But really, your market is the, the whole world. I mean, and that's the beautiful thing. You're really going into the business of manufacturing a commodity or, or mining a commodity, if you will. So instead of having to worry about where it's going to be consumed, you just have to worry that it 
will be consumed in the process of getting it grown and getting it distributed. You know, one of the interesting things that we discovered at that conference and in subsequent discussions about this is this whole distribution part. And the great news is for many crops, that part has been figured out. You actually don't do as much of the final logistical distribution of most products because there is an infrastructure, if you will, for most of the crops that are in demand today. Somebody has figured it out. Our guest today, in fact, has the experience of going to, quote unquote, the market for his crop, which is established. And so there's a lot to learn but there's actually not that much to do once you get it figured out. I think you're going to uh, find today's uh, discussion uh, pretty interesting. And as we would say, food for thought. When we come back, we'll meet our friend and farmer, David Sewell, on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Did you know that industrial real estate is one of the most desired and highest return asset classes in the U.S. today? E-commerce warehousing, distribution, server centers, construction, and automated manufacturing are just a few of the businesses increasing the demands for industrial properties. And you can invest in commercial properties for as little as $50,000 by utilizing experienced syndicators with the track record and experience to locate, negotiate, vet, and manage the best products in the best markets. Wilson Investment Properties is a national syndicator headquartered in Silicon Valley with a long successful track record of investment real estate and commercial syndications. The Cincinnati Industrial Portfolio is an offering with 17% projected average annual returns and available while shares last. Email commercial at realestateguysradio.com for more information and private placement memorandum on this investment and for your free white paper on commercial real estate. Again, email commercial at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Chris Martinson, author of Prosper, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. It's our series on profitable niches, and this is a niche you might not have considered but it's really fascinating in so many ways. We're talking about agricultural real estate. How do you benefit from being the farmer, as we say? And speaking of farmers, let's meet a gentleman farmer returning to the Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. David Sewell. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Always good to have you here, all the way from Panama. Flew in today, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I bet so. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as we talk about agriculture that it's everywhere. And you have specifically picked some crops for some pretty interesting reasons. So, you know, Russ and I talked about the wide variety of agriculture that's out there. But let's talk about the, the two crops that you guys specialize in and why you picked those. Four years ago, we started out in specialty coffee. Pretty obvious why. Yeah. I mean, it's the only legal drug, they tell us, right? that's uh, left. 400 million cups a day, every day um, in, the, in the United States alone, a $90, $90 billion industry. 
Uh, people are addicted to the product. We don't need to create the demand. The supply is limited, particularly for specialty coffee, so it's pretty well obvious. And it needed some very serious rationalization, particularly in Panama, with specialty coffee, environmentally sustainable specialty coffee, socially sustainable specialty coffee. So we've been doing that for um, since the middle of 2014. Well, and let's stop there because I think the crop is obvious. A couple things about coffee. One, it doesn't go bad the week you pick it. Exactly. It's not a perishable product. Right. And we've specifically stayed away from perishable products. The logistics, the supply chain is too difficult. Yeah. It just really is. And coffee doesn't go bad when you pick it. you got a, a year or maybe even two, and you can make hundreds of different varietals and varieties for all kinds of demand. But in many ways, coffee is a commodity, so to speak. And so it's the specialty part of it that's interesting. So talk about how you take what was basically just a common coffee farm and turn it into a specialty coffee farm. It takes time. It takes three years or so before you can turn around the farm. We have acquired some older, poorly managed, undercapitalized farms from farmers who are in their 80s that just don't have a family that want to carry on and don't have the interest. So we take those farms and we spend a lot of time on the soil. We spend a lot of time in soil science. Once we've managed to understand the soil, understand the microclimates, understand the weather, which way the wind comes from, where the sun is, um, how much shade there is, all of those things are important, very important in specialty coffee. So specialty coffee is a unique um, product. It's managed by the tree. So every tree is hand-picked, hand-fertilized, hand-sprayed, hand-fed, hand-everything. Coffee is, is picked individually. Specialty coffee is picked individually, one cherry at a time. And we have something like um, 245,000 trees in the ground, uh, so that takes a while. Well, and there's so much of that commodity coffee out there. You know what you go buy in a big old can at the grocery store. But specialty coffee has a unique couple of elements. One, coffee aficionados are going to crave it, and they're going to know the different types of coffee and what they like. And it also allows for higher profit margin. Seriously higher profit margins. Three, four, five, 10, 15, 20, 50 times as much as a regular commercial coffee. Wow. You'll see the ticker on CNBC in the bottom and you'll see coffee and it'll maybe scare you because it says $1.25 or $1.30. Yeah. Um, our prices are $3, $4, $5, $8, $10. $10. Other places are in Bocchetti are auctioning off coffee at $25, $35, $50. Wow. And Geisha, which is one of the world famous, most world famous coffees out there, just sold at an auction, albeit, for $601 a pound. Wow. Now, now that's specialty coffee. That's a, <laughs> that's a specialty right there. And we have some of those plants on the farms. Yeah. So this is interesting. You've got to think about taking the time up front to do the work necessary, but then over the long run, it pays more dividends by having a more unique product. How big can the specialty coffee be? business get? It's a very large international business. It can't get that big in Boquete. It's a limited amount of uh, geography available there, although there are a number of big farmers in the area, of which we're becoming one. Yep. Um, we have 10 specialty coffee farms in the Boquete area now, and we're just about to acquire our 11th. And we can grow that probably to triple that size, quadruple that size, possibly, but it takes time, two to three years up front, uh, patient investments. It's nature, and she m marches to her own drummer. So we can induce 
coffee uh, more quickly uh, with certain coffee science parameters, if you want to call it that, yep. the application of coffee science. But generally, it, it takes some time. The farms are not easy to acquire. Um, they're not they're not very well priced when we do acquire them. It's a bit tricky uh, to pry some of these farms loose from some of the old families. But once we get them, um, they're a, a good source of very long-term legacy income. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's been, what, six years since we had you on the show the first time when this was more of a concept than anything else. And you had kind of a small team and you were figuring it out and figuring out the best regions and so forth. Fast forward to today, more than 80 employees, this thing has really grown. It really has. It's uh, become a, what I call a real company. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it was a thought, it was an idea, it was a process that we thought we could complete. Uh, we did some work um, on it and about uh, one farm, took us six months to buy the first farm and about two months to buy the second one and another month to buy the third one. And, and there was a bit of a delay for a while with a recalcitrant seller and here and there, but it's grown nicely. And now we have a socially sustainable program, which we're very proud of in place, um, that has, as an example, 61 kids in school this year. Wow. 21 last year and nine the first year. So it's grown very, very nicely. We have 35 farmhand employees who are not educated people necessarily. They're farmers from the Native Indian Reservation in, uh, in Panama. But we're proud to say that with the compensation program we're able to provide and uh, with the love and attention that we pay to them, we haven't had one turnover in three years. Wow. Well, this is extraordinary because in addition to taking that extra nurturing for the soil and the trees and the cherries, you do the same thing with the people. These folks who have owned these generic coffee farms, if you will, are just hardworking people that get up every day and work as hard as they can. And it costs everything they make to sustain their lifestyle. And you've come along and said, well, wait a minute, if we can make more money in the farm, then we can change the way these people live. Talk about that part. We certainly can change the way they live. We can make their work more comfortable. It's still work. Sure. I mean, they're out there every day, all day, hand-picking cherries and feeding these trees, and there are hundreds of thousands of them. We, but they get better rain gear. That's simple stuff. But instead of wearing a, a hefty garbage bag over their shoulders in the rain with their four-year-old standing beside them for 10 hours a day making nothing, um, we don't do that anymore. The kids are not allowed on the farm. The kids are in school. The kids are living in the renovated accommodations that we provide them with electricity and flush toilets and things that we all take for granted, but they certainly don't. They have better working conditions. They have better working equipment. Uh, we utilize uh, modern crop science technology. They get to learn more about what they're doing. The ones that want to grow with us, get educated, sent to seminars and congresses, and they come back and they learn, and they're allowed to grow with the company. And, yeah. we, and we certainly like that. And it's uh, it's not all altruistic, as I often say. Uh, turnover in, uh, in labor is expensive. And labor is 50% of the cost of coffee. So if you can keep that labor turnover down to zero, then it's a good thing. Well, and you're making a, a dent in lots of different ways. What's interesting about the evolution is the scalability. Hard to do what you just said for a single farm. But now that you have multiple farms and more folks Talk about that part of it, how you have grown up as a real company and, and the scalability, the economies of scale that you have been able to uh, appreciate. What we've done now is we have the farms in clusters. 
in Boquete. We have three big clusters of these 10 farms, three, three, and four farms at the moment. And we build housing in each of the locations for the people and they stay there. So they have their own accommodations. They're working on their own farms. It's close. So it's, uh, again, operationally efficient for us. We're not driving people all over the place all the time. And they can, they can call it their, their own home. And it has electricity and running water and um, all the other accoutrements that go along with a, a normal 21st century lifestyle. Yeah. We do that in three different locations. We've centralized the processing facility. We built a processing facility that does the from the cherry that we harvest all the way to the dried coffee that's uh, exportable. And uh, that beneficiary was run on one of the farms and, and the biggest farm for employees, not one of the biggest farms in acreage. Yeah. And we keep that centralized. So the centralized operations and the control uh, turnkey from the seed to the final product gives us a traceability factor that is sustainable. And those buzzwords are not just marketing terms, but they actually mean money on the bottom line. Right. So coffee is hardy. Coffee is in demand. Coffee isn't perishable. When you set out for crop number two, you were looking for some of those same things and you ended up with a fabulous crop with a whole nother reason that it has high demand. Everybody likes chocolate. Everyone likes chocolate. (laughs) A good way to start the day is to start up with a good cup of coffee and end it with a couple pieces of chocolate in the evening. So the same parameters, a very, very limited supply, even more ridiculously limited than specialty coffee in Belize, particularly, uh, large demand for um, organic fine flavor cacao, which is a specialty of Belize. Belize, I think, didn't really even know this, but we have discovered it, and I don't think we're the first ones, but uh, it's a beautiful cacao. It makes wonderful chocolate with all the same kind of parameters and the ability to further increase the socially sustainable side of the program. The people in Belize really, really do need the help. It's amazing the parallels. Very different industries in a lot of ways. The types of people that work in the cacao farms different in a lot of ways from the coffee farms. But the same idea of you bringing a little bit of ingenuity and science and care and you're changing the way that it's done there in kind of a big way. Those parameters work and the centralized processing really, really works. It's what they needed. It was the centralized processing so that we can control the quality of the cacao. And so we're vertically integrated from the farms. We have three farms with 107 acres in the, in total at the moment. We're in the acquisition process of some other farms. And we have a trading company that buys and sells beans. Um, every weekend we buy six to eight, sometimes 10 tons of beans on a Friday and a Saturday from 154 farmers that we went out and specifically organically certified so that they could sell the beans, their beans to us under our organic certification, under our training so that they know how to do it right. And then we centralize the processing to keep the quality up. And now we got 154 farmers that were virtually the only outlet for them to sell their beans. If we weren't there, frankly, um, they would be in some serious trouble. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch this. Uh, a few weeks back, we had a, a Belize field trip, as we do a few times a year, and uh, we didn't get over to uh, see the farms, but we did spend time in your chocolate shop, and Armando was there, and he gave us an amazing tour and showed us how you take it from from bean to bar. And, you know, I'd heard it, and I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but this, he, he took a pod, he broke it apart. I mean, he took us all the way through, and it's amazing. 
Armando loves chocolate, <laughs> and he is really good at it. it. It is amazing. We've had you know people ask us. Sometimes it might be people we might think is a silly question about where does coffee grow, and some people didn't know that it just grows on trees. Yeah. You know? So we, we think money grows on trees because it, coffee grows on trees. Well, cacao pods do too, but you'd never know a, a cacao tree from any other tree. You wouldn't really know what a cacao pod looked like unless you had some experience. And it's, it is quite unique what happens with that wet bean inside that pod and how it's uh, fermented and how it's dried and what that, what that means to the quality of the cacao. And then the magic happens from there. Um, with chocolate makers who really know what they're doing, like Armando. Well, and he's someone asked him on the tour, now, how long have you been in the chocolate business? And he basically said, well, my entire life, basically, right? I mean, he's in lots of different angles and parts of the business, which was fascinating. The thing that I didn't realize that I learned on this trip was he showed us how different pods and different beans have different profiles. And rather than just lump it all in and make ground cocoa powder, they specifically go through each pod and one is better for this and one's better for that. And much the way specialty coffee is unique, so is cacao. Exactly. And it produces um, on the business side a micro lot. Yeah. And so you can produce a lot of different micro lots that are in high demand and very low supply just for that micro lot and then bid it. People will bid on it to pay a, a very good price for the cacao. So the, again, the, the dynamics of coffee, the, the ticker tape says $1.30, but it's really three, five, six, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty dollars $10, $15, $20 a pound. Cacao, same, the same thing. Cacao can be as little as 65 cents or $1.30 a pound, uh, you know, equates to $2,000 a metric ton, somewhere in that range, 1800 to 2300 Our cacao sells uh, up to twelve to 14000 a metric ton yeah. because it's specialty, organic, fine-flavored cacao that's been hand-processed. We're talking with David Sewell about uh, specific niches within agricultural real estate. We'll have more when we come back, and we'll show how you can get involved as a gentleman farmer, if you will, plus real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. 
If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the Secrets of Successful Syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Have fun. You'll learn something. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into this show. It is our continuing series on Profitable Niches, second to last edition, as we talk about agricultural real estate. Before we get back to our interview with David Sewell, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the question, which, of course, has something to do with our topic. As soon as you think you know the answer, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address, because if you're the winner, we're going to send you a copy of Second Chance, the great book by Robert Kiyosaki. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we talked real estate development as a niche with Jay Hartley, and we asked this, which U.S. state is the most tenant-friendly? You know, some states are more landlord-friendly, some states are more tenant-friendly. Which U.S. state is the most tenant-friendly? Well, according to Rent Cafe, Vermont ranked first among the renter-friendly states, followed closely by Delaware and Hawaii, who were tied for second place. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. We're talking about agriculture, particularly coffee and cacao. What part of the world grows the most cacao? Yeah, the most cocoa. Where is most of the cocoa in the world grown? What region? If you know or just want to take a guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address. The first person with the right guess gets a copy of Second Chance by Robert Kiyosaki. That's today's real estate trivia question. It's our Profitable Niches series. Actually winding down next week, our last profitable niche. But this week we're talking about agricultural real estate and specifically we're with David Sewell talking about both coffee and chocolate, the crops that you guys specialize in. And, uh, you know, I know folks were listening to that interview going, man, that's a lot to know. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of intellectual property. It's a huge team you've built. The good news is you guys have figured out a way to let folks play. So, you know, the biggest thing, I think, the hardest thing in agricultural real estate is just the scale and scope of it. To go, okay, I get why we need calories and, and coffee, but gosh, it's just a lot to find the farm and know what you're doing and so forth. But you guys have figured that part out. Talk about the investment opportunity for folks who are interested in these crops. We've focused on the delivery part of the investment vehicle. That's where the teams come from. That's where all the people is. That's where the operational structure is, is the delivery. That's the hard part. 
Right. It really is. Um, that's where failure happens in many cases. So what we've done over the last four years is figured out that uh, if we would buy a farm, and uh, at my age now, I don't like to use that term, so we say acquire a property. Yeah, there you go. But um, the farm is subdivided into a half-acre parcel. Okay. And that half-acre parcel is a deeded parcel in your name or your entity, if you so wish. And there's a deeded parcel in a titled specialty coffee farm in Panama, turnkey managed for you. You can own that farm. We'll operate it for you. Own that piece of the farm. We'll operate it for you. It's deeded to you, turnkey managed. And it allows you uh, to participate with us in our socially sustainable program, which is a very important part of the delivery of what we do. And we purposely price these parcels at a low low number. We want as many people to get involved in agriculture as, as possible. It's an absolute slam dunk for a legacy investment of passive cash flow. And you can learn how that works and why that works based on the success we've had over the last four or five years doing this. For as little as $18,000, you can participate. Wow. Well, this is a pretty interesting model because you own the property and you don't do anything with it. You basically sit alongside a whole bunch of other owners who own the property. And then your company figures out the operations that we've talked about. And it's a great partnership. I mean, I'm quite confident that you would have been able to go out and just raise a bunch of money to buy a bunch of farms. But what this does is it gives you partners, if you will, that are vested in the deal. They're interested in it and allows you guys to acquire like you have been in a, at a, a great pace. Again, first time I had you in the show, this was a concept, right? Now you've been doing it. You've been starting some new growing. You've t- uh, acquired existing farms. You've been paying out returns. Let's talk about that part of it because I know that sometimes when you can buy and acquire an existing farm, you like to do that. What about the ability to buy land and then start the process or in some of the farms where you've had to come in and really, you know, apply the the science to, to change the makeup of the crops? What's the timing? I would imagine there's a there's a bit of a startup. There is. Uh, in the, um, what you want to call a raw land or a developmental farm, it's going to take three years for us to acquire the farm, fix the soil, put in the shade trees if necessary, plant the seedlings, grow the seedlings in our nursery, plant them in the ground, and have them grow to the second and third year to their first crop. So it, it takes some time. Sure. So the returns are, are low in the first couple or three years. They start to grow quite quickly once the first crop comes in. Once the, those, those annual returns, based on the quantity of coffee that we sell, but more importantly, the quality of the coffee we sell, that's where the real return comes from allows a, a rapid increase in years five, six, seven, eight. You look at the pro- financial pro forma, you'll see double digit returns in year nine, 10, 11, 12, and they, and they grow to a pretty good size number. And you're probably not going to ever want to uh, do anything different with those kind of returns as you're into the passive income, the legacy part of it, the long-term agricultural business that just keeps making money every year. Uh, we figured it out, and God and nature's helped a lot, you know. And uh, the coffee's been going around for a long, long time. So if the wheel, if the if it isn't broken, we don't fix it. But the farms that we buy are generally broken, so we fix them, even whether they're raw land or whether they might even be a partially producing farm. Generally, they're not very well looked after, and the trees are old, so we more or less treat them as a developmental farm too. So you can think. It's going to take three years. Well, it's almost like, you know, last week on the program, we talked about development. When you develop a parcel, 
there's no cash flow for the first year, two years, sometimes five years as you're doing your plans and entitlements and specking it out. And finally, you know, you sell whatever you built. Uh, it's that level of thinking that you're not acquiring something that cash flows immediately. But the legacy part is interesting because for a lot of folks, you know, they're not sure they want to leave a big pile of money maybe to their heirs. But what about a producing farm that's just going to shell out money over time? That's definitely more attractive to some folks. And this this is the kind of investment that can stay in your family for generations. Very true. Very, very true. And uh, even even currently, we have people buying for their kids and putting parcels in their kids' names and putting parcels in their family members' names and putting parcels in entities uh, that are shared by other people. So there's lots of ways to participate in the annual passive cash flow forever. I don't see any reason why it would ever stop. Right. I don't, it doesn't need to, that's for sure. Now, let's talk about the chocolate side of things, because that's a newer endeavor for you. But in this case, a lot of the farms that you're acquiring are, you know, the same thing. They aren't maybe at the maximum yield they could be. What kinds of things are you doing there? Is it is that new plantings as well, or, or there is there other things that have to happen? It's 100% new plantings in Belize. Okay. Yeah, so 107 acres. We planted 100 acres this year, about forty five to 50,000 saplings, which is 100% penetration, because the numbers are different in cacao trees per acre than it is in coffee. But 45 to 50,000 new trees, uh, saplings went in this year. A, a video will be coming out of a farm tour that if you haven't had a chance to come down on a tour and, and, and kick the trees, as we call it, in coffee or in cacao or both, uh, we'll be producing a video very shortly and we'll show you what it looks like so you can get up to speed on cacao. Um, again, it's three years, same kind of financial pro forma, same kind of work up front, same kind of patience is necessary, but the same kind of benefits long term. And of course, before we're done, we'll uh, let you know how you can get uh, all that information if it's something you're interested in. I think anybody who's interested in real estate looks at agriculture as kind of a different animal. It's not what we're used to. It's not housing someone in their home or office or something like that. But it is a use of land that has been going on forever and that the demand is likely only increasing as the population does. And yet, really hard to get started as, a, as an individual. Now, talk about some of the folks that you've had. I know I've talked to a lot of our listeners that have availed themselves of, of uh, this investment. And some have gone down to see, see the uh, coffee farms. Some have, some have been to Belize to go to the cacao uh, farms. But talk about the kinds of, of folks. Some folks, I would imagine, buy just a, a half acre. I know you have folks that do more. Who are the typical investors in this? We have everybody from millennials, surprisingly, but a number, quite a number of millennials, uh, starting with one or more parcels. Our average parcel size uh, across the board, which has maybe 300 owners now, I would say, um, is uh, three parcels, just under three parcels each. Okay. Some people come and uh, kick the trees and uh, before they buy, and they come on a coffee farm a group tour or a cacao group tour. The next coffee farm tour is July 27th, 28th, and 29th, for example. And so they can come and do that. So most people buy sight unseen. Okay. A large percentage buy sight unseen, maybe only one or two. They're not really very expensive. Um, so then they would come on a coffee tour or a cacao tour and that would add to their portfolio. And recently we've added a three package option and a six package a parcel option, which will allow you to get some you know, pretty decent discounts if you decide to incrementally add to your portfolio. So there's uh, everybody from 
the young kids all the way up to the older guys, uh, the traditional investor, the, you know, 50, 60, 70 year old man on his own. But the surprising part is um, from my career in the, in the past where I didn't have that many women investors, um, we have an awful lot of individual women who are on their own or making their own decisions when it's not their husband's money, it's their money. Um, they actually love the socially sustainable side of our business, which is a very important part to us. It's a full 20% of the gross income from the operating farms that is allocated to the socially sustainable program. And in year three or four down the road, we will have a half a million trees producing multiple millions of pounds of coffee and cacao. And that 20% slice is going to be a significant number. The impact investing opportunity for our company is huge. Yeah, and this is a very important thing to understand. When you make an investment like this, we always talk about there's the investment and there's the operations. There's the horse and there's the jockey. And in this case, you guys have made a specific concerted effort to improve the lives of the farmers in your enlightened self-interest, right? It's not all benevolent. It makes sense. But going in, people have to recognize that. And what's also interesting, more than we can probably talk about on the show, is just that the income sources are are of a variety. There's more than just one thing. It's not just planting beans and, and selling it. There's more to the company than that. But I think also a quick aside is that, you know, you're often at our Secrets of Successful Syndication events where uh, I'll bring you up and we'll talk about what we call turnkey syndication, the idea that you can find something to invest in where someone else has done the majority of the work. And this is, I think, an ideal thing for someone to come alongside. And because of the discount you offer, they could raise capital from folks who are likely never to go to Panama or Belize and check it out. But the person raising the money is going to do that work. And then they're going to be able to split the profits going forward and the returns as though these folks bought individually. So I think it makes a ton of sense from folks that are thinking, wow, I'd love to get in the syndication game. How do you find something to syndicate? Well, this could be a great opportunity. Couldn't have said it better myself. Come and see us in September. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be at the Secrets of Successful Syndication in uh, September. Uh, that's on the calendar at realstateguysradio.com. And uh, I, I think, you know, I've yet to come down to see the farms. That's on my list to do. But I know we've had a lot of listeners. Just met some folks who are on the Belize field trip who uh, had been down to Panama to, to see it. And they have a whole new appreciation when they're there. I mean, it's one thing to look at the pictures and to hear the story, which all makes sense. But if you're serious about it, you know, I definitely am a proponent of going and looking, you know, with your own eyes. So how often do you do these tours? Three to four times a year each in Belize and in Panama for coffee and cacao. And it's, it takes how long to do in your schedule? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. You fly in and get there by Friday morning. So most people come in the day before into Panama City and goof off for the day on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, fly into Belize and say we have more often on the same day. Spend the weekend with us and then you can add before or after if you want to do a little adventure vacationing or uh, other uh, due diligence work on other things that are available in Belize and Panama. Then you can spend a little extra time, but you can do it in a weekend. It's a fun weekend. You know, we, we cover all of the transportation and all the food and all the booze and you get yourself there and pay for your hotel and that's about the, the end of the investment. It's a good weekend. What's really, really good about it is that people do get a, a much better appreciation of the team that we've built, which is an awesome team of experts that really know what they're doing. But that should be there because that's how you build a good business. But what happens is that these people generate interest in each other. And there's a group of like-minded people all hanging out, talking agriculture, coffee, 
cacao investments for Friday and Saturday, Sunday. Some lifelong arrangements have been uh, set up where people are still in touch with each other over four or five, six years. Good stuff. All right, well, we've learned a ton today about agriculture. Before we're done, we'll let you know how you can get your hands on all the information about the cacao and the coffee in terms of the investment. But, uh, you know, in in the spirit of uh, these profitable niches, you're now at a point where you're in this several years. So what are the things that you guys wish you knew sooner? What are maybe some of the things you didn't know going in? Talk about the evolution of an agricultural investor. What we wish we knew going in has a lot to do with one of the um, features of the investment, which is the deeded title. The deeded parcel is difficult. It's something that you wouldn't want to do on an individual basis. Another benefit to coming into the group is that we've pioneered that effort, which means that we have the arrows already in our back as pioneers. And it hasn't been an easy road to hoe, particularly with the U.S. government and other places in adding to the pressure of all of the various banks and governments around the world to toe the mark for what the U.S. wants, it's been somewhat difficult. And the know-your-client regulations have been very seriously tightened. We've had to go back and forth a couple of times on um, getting the proper documentation in place in front of a notary, and then the rules for the notary change in Panama, and there's a lot of little details. So if I known then what I knew now about the deeding process, which is a a significant part of the program, Um, we'd have done a few things differently then, but we've got that in line. And we'll be finished our deeding of all of our parcels and caught up in the next 90 days. So it's, it's, it's important to us to get that done. But that was one of the most difficult parts. So if you come down there and buy on, want to buy a coffee farm on your own, get a good lawyer. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And someone who speaks the language, whole another story. Well, Great, uh, great stuff. We appreciate you being in the studio today. And, of course, we look forward to seeing you at the Secrets of Successful Syndication. That happens in the middle of September. And uh, it'll be in Dallas, Texas this time around. You get all the details at realestateguysradio.com. When we come back, we'll tell you how you can get the information about agricultural investment. Thanks, David, for being back on the program. Love to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. There's David Sewell. We're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. When we come back, I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Have you decided to invest in real estate but find you don't have the time to evaluate your options? Successful real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. Many affluent investors with busy schedules choose to rely on real estate experts. They partner with proven teams with a successful track record. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system which allows accredited investors an opportunity to invest in undervalued assets. If you're an accredited investor looking for passive income, call 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or visit privateincomeinvestments.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. 
This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, I'm Aaron Katusa, the chairman of Katusa Research. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show today. There's still time to join us for How to Win Funds and Influence People, our annual two-day sales workshop. There's a few spots left in just a few days to get registered. You can do that online at realestateguysradio.com under events. It is our series on profitable niches winding down the series. Next week will be our final installment of profitable niches and it'll be a good one, but pretty awesome to hear from David Sewell about agriculture, specifically coffee and chocolate. Yeah, it's really, it's it's actually been a lot of fun to watch David evolve. You know, we met him at a trade show and we're always out there looking for new ideas and interesting people and we tiptoe into these relationships, but we've known David now for quite some time. He's been kind of a steady presence in our real estate guys family uh, on the air is, uh, you know, sharing his expertise at live events. Uh, he's got a background in syndication. He's got an extensive background in business. He's an international guy, uh, really understands a a lot of what it takes to think outside your your borders. And so all of that's been really great. But the way he's gone about approaching this and opening it up for the little guy, I think is what's really, uh, I think, awesome. If you think about how intimidating it would be uh, as a newbie investor, it's easy to drive around your neighborhood and find a house or maybe even a little apartment building and put a deal together. But when you think about going outside the country and you think about getting involved in something like farmland, I mean, that is a big stretch. And then you think in order to do it, you got to be at a level, at a scale that most small investors would never have a chance to participate in. And so he really has found a way, a unique way to bring something to the marketplace that for investors to be able to put their money to work and, and participate in something that would normally not be available to them. And then on top of that, he's done it in such a way that when he goes in and he finds these underperforming farms and he's the way he slices and dices and puts everything together, he's really adding value every step of the way. And I think when you're an entrepreneur and a business person, if you have the opportunity to put yourself in a situation where you can add value uh, all the way through the supply chain, uh, you've got a real great opportunity. And so David is doing very, very well, which is fun to see. And, and the most important thing is he's bringing a lot of other people along with him. Well, watching his team grow is amazing. We had a chance to meet a good group of them at last year's New Orleans Investment Conference. And of course, they'll be out at that conference again coming up in November this year. And the real estate guys will be there. It'll be uh, old home week for us and a lot of our friends. So You'll be hearing about the details for that uh, in the coming weeks and months, but good to meet his folks on the ground because he's really assembled a team of people that are unlike him, meaning he has a lot of business acumen and he understands you know, putting together these types of deals, but he certainly does not have a background in agriculture. And because of that, he's been forced to find amazing team members. Uh, in fact, I learned that he's just hired another uh, executive who has nearly 30 years in the coffee industry, which is great. He keeps bringing on the right kinds of folks. And that's part of the message is that you don't have to do it all, know it all. For some reason, people that invest in small real estate or retail strip center or a single family home think, well, I, I can do it all. I can I can rent it out. I can go out and I can paint it when it needs to be painted. And I can, you know, mow the lawn and I can collect the rents. And you can certainly do that, but it's hard to scale. And knowing from the beginning, David was not going to be in the position of going out and 
tending to the farms and the crops and the cherries, as they call them. They structured the business from the beginning. And, you know, when we asked about what were the things, the big lessons learned, and his, his answer was an answer that is unique because of the model. It was the titling of the land. You think most farmers have giant acreage and it's one parcel number or a couple parcel numbers and they don't think about it. But because of the structure that David set up, he wants to make sure that each person has their own private titled ownership. And that just takes a lot. It's not what, you know, local jurisdictions are used to when it comes to farmland. You're not used to half acre parcels because a half acre farm is is hard because of economies of scale. And yet that's exactly what they've created. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Hey, if you're interested in the actual investment opportunities, all you have to do is uh, send off a quick email. Now, the thing that coffee and chocolate have in common is they're both beans, coffee beans and cocoa beans. So all you're going to do is send an email to beans at realestateguysradio.com and you'll get a report on each of these product types, the coffee and the chocolate beans at realestateguysradio.com. Well, you know, one of the other things just thinking about David and what you just mentioned, Robert, is his background in the military. And I think when you're in the military, you learn how to get things done with and through other people. You're part of a bigger machine. Uh, It's really not the place to be the Lone Ranger. When you realize that you've got somebody that's kind of got that military background, that military training, that military discipline, that's kind of going through everything and putting it together, it gives you kind of a little added sense that this is a guy that knows how to work in a disciplined structure and create an orderly uh, process for getting things done. And clearly, that's been my observation. I've really enjoyed working with him over the years. I think he's a good guy, straight shooter. And again, as I said earlier, I just think it's super cool that he's opened up this really kind of esoteric, but really interesting investment opportunity uh, for the little guy. Absolutely. Again, if you want the specifics, just send an email to beans at realestateguysradio.com and you'll get David's information on coffee and chocolate. Yummy. You know, agriculture is a little bit daunting and it's a big thing to think about, but I think really as where it fits is part of your investment philosophy. You can invest in instant crops, things that grow, you know, monthly and weekly, and then you've got perishability and all those things to think about. But if you can figure it out, there's great recurring revenue there. You can invest in long-term legacy stuff like lumber and timber and things that take decades to mature to the point where they actually can create a yield and that works in some folks portfolio and then the products that uh, David has coffee and chocolate really annual or biannual crops and so they are a legacy investment in that the trees go to work for many 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 years and the replanting and all of that uh, creates this income long term it's the same thing we think about when we think about other investment classes where someone lives in your building or works in your building and pays you rent the crops just sit there and do what they do and it creates yield so interesting stuff next week it'll be our final installment of profitable niches we've covered a bunch of them certainly not every niche in real estate but next week we're going to end with the one that maybe folks would have expected us to start with and that's single family homes and we've got a new guest who you're going to love that's next week big thanks to david sewell for making a trip all the way from panama to come be live in studio in the united states We appreciate that. And until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct. 
asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.